Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the GM Shuffle. What would happen if Kyle called plays with that Dallas scheme? Like, there's a strategy involved. At some point, there's got to be someone with experience on the sideline. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Vise, and I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, Uh-oh. rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos, as always. But, Michael, uh, I see that we're both wearing black as we're mourning the, well, the loss of the 2022 I mean, Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> when I was in the military academy at Valley Forge Military Academy, the home of uh, J.D. Salinger, Norman Schwarzkopf. Very proud that I went there and made it through. Had the worst uh, brown shoes in the history of the Corps. Take great pride in that. I never shined them. But uh, I, they used to play taps before we went to bed. And I almost feel like we should play taps for you and your Cowboys. So I wore black for you today. You know, I, I, I feel I so badly it. for you. You had such high hopes. And, you know, you keep going down that Kellen Moore's a genius. God, he's so good. You know, I don't know why he doesn't have a joystick on the sideline when he's calling plays. Like, he should have one of those things, and he should have that, 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 what's that thing that they do put on for, uh, you know, that commercial where you yeah. cover your eyes? The, the, that, the, the meta? That's really what the outfit he should be in. I mean, that's the outfit he should be in. I mean, I mean it's, look, uh, it, 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 was, it was a fitting ending to, here's the question I like to start this podcast off. Mm-hmm. With you, Mr. Cowboy, and Dave yeah. Ross and John Goulet and all these Cowboy fans. Tough day for us, yes. If Kyle Shanahan was calling plays for the Cowboys, what's the score of that game? Uh, Cowboys by 10. Thank you. Rest, case rested. <laughs> yeah, it's Cowboys by 10. And, 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 and I mean, that, it's, it's the unfortunate side. Go ahead. No, it's the unfortunate side of it. Uh, I thought early on when they had their guys and they were able to move the football pretty well, uh, the touchdown drive I thought was a well-called drive. But then after that, then things kind of tapered off. And then, of course, I mean, the big uh, happenstance there with Tony Pollard getting injured late in the second quarter, that was just a brutal, brutal injury for the Cowboys and what he means to that offense. And then the right after that, then Dak Prescott throws the interception. And, and I, we're going to get to Dak because Dak was – he was bad. Like, like, make no bones about it. I, I like Dak Prescott. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. But he was bad in the biggest game of the season yesterday. And it's just an all-around just systemic 
collapse, I thought, in the second half from the Cowboys' offensive side of the football. But it, it was more was right there at the top of it as well with what he was doing with the play calling and how to how kind of how they managed that game. And McCarthy deserves a little bit of the blame too for how they managed that game. But it was it was not a good situation. As I felt, Michael, that this was a game that Dallas could have won, not easily won, but it was a winnable game, and they let it slip. You know, I recommended Dallas and taking the points uh, during the day, and obviously I lost it. Uh, but I think the handicap was right. I think yep. the Pollard injury, the Pollard injury uh, was devastating. But once the Pollard injury happened, I think we saw that you know Moore, with no experience, right, doesn't understand how to adapt and adjust when you lose your best player. It's not an easy task, right? It's not something that you just do, but. You know, he's looking at that play sheet and, you know, instead of looking at that play sheet, the play sheet just has plays on it. And that's the way he calls the game, plays, a sequence of plays, instead of strategizing how to win the game. You know, and he had a formula. He saw Washington run, do some things, even though they lost. Mm -hmm. He saw the Raiders do a lot of things, even though they lost. You know, he saw Seattle do a lot of things and they lost, but he couldn't do any of the above. You know, I mean, one of the things you want to do is run at the bubble, create a bubble. You know, none of these things he did. I mean, and so to me, he's strictly a play caller and they're in love with him and he gets interviewed for head coaching jobs and he's got a lot of talent on that team and Dak takes a lot of responsibility and he's deserving so. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's throwing the ball to an area they're playing zone and and he doesn't anticipate the guy being there. The cover three pass, you know, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Olsen kept saying, you know, why are they playing off? And they're keep, well, they play off because they're playing cover three. The guy's got the deep third. That's why mm-hmm. they're playing off. And so, you know, and when he didn't recognize that the guy was undercutting it and not taking the deep throat, he throws an interception. I mean, that's on him. And I, I think a lot of this, to me, what I see as the Cowboys is, I don't know why Mike McCarthy's holding a play sheet. He called plays in Green Bay and he lets this guy call the game and he calls the game. He doesn't strategize to win the game. It, it was really just the, the 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 turnover at the end of the first half when Dallas had a chance to win the middle eight, which we talk about all the time here on the podcast, winning that middle eight end of the first half, beginning of the second half, because the Cowboys were going to get the ball to start the third quarter. And Dak throws that interception to Fred Warner that you're talking about. That to me was inexcusable because I thought that just based on the situation, San Francisco had two timeouts left. There was a little over a minute left to go. If you're Dallas, you're in second and short after the Pollard injury. Why not run the football to keep that clock moving? And I know that you weren't really confident in Brett Maher and what he was doing, so nothing was a gimme in terms of a field goal yesterday. That's for damn sure. But just run the ball and make San Francisco use one of those timeouts or at least make sure they don't get the football at the end of the half. I thought that execution towards the end of that first half was really, really poor, and that's what started this kind of snowball into the second half. Right, and so he tries to throw a, a control pass, right? So, he's, so Pollard gets hurt on the first and 10 play, right? Yep. And so they have to use their second timeout at that point. So now you got a minute 24 to go. I'm with you. It's second and two. Let's get to, see what happens. I think too often is, is teams are scared to let the clock work for them. Now, what Baltimore did against Cincinnati wasn't letting the <laughs> yeah. clock work for you. That was stupidity. Yeah. But there, by running it, you allow the clock to work for you. So – you know, even if you have to kick the field goal, the clock's going to wind itself down. And look, you can't throw the, you can't throw an interception there. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And at second and two, I think you, you know, again, it comes down to calling the right play at the right time. And I, the more I watch the Cowboys, 
I just never trust that offensive staff to do it. The defense, to me, played their balls off. I yeah. mean, by the by the fourth quarter, they were tired, they worn out. I mean, the longest run of the game for the Kyle Shanahan's offense was the 13-yarder at the end of the game by Mitchell. I mean, they played their all their balls off, and it took yeah. a it took a miracle. It took the it took the Kittle catch. It took the pass interference. I mean, it took a lot. And and they just don't ever play complimentary football. They never do. And I just think to me, if you know, I I, I don't understand why people think McCarthy's job's in jeopardy because McCarthy's to me, I see more as the weakness of their team. I think that's definitely fair from an offensive standpoint. Jerry Jones was asked about that after the game about Mike McCarthy's job because there's the whole rumors of Sean Payton and and is McCarthy coaching for his job after back-to-back 12-win seasons win the playoff game last week and they're still asking you if you're going to get fired. But here's what Jerry had to say when he spoke with the reporters when they asked him about Mike McCarthy's security and future with the Dallas Cowboys. No. 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 No, no. And uh, uh, their decision to... Uh, for our kicker was exonerated with his uh, field goal in my mind, and I'm proud for him. Uh, but uh, this is uh, this is uh, very uh, sickening to uh, not win tonight. Yeah, he said the job is uh, future is not I, I, in any uncertainty, and it's sickening, which I think is a great word to use. It is sickening. I mean, he's got a really good team. I mean, look. I, I said it all along. I mean, obviously, the the 49ers covered, and those who picked them, congratulations. That's a good pick. But mm-hmm. I felt like the Cowboys matched up to them, and I thought the Cowboys could. You know, when I used to play Stratomatic Baseball when I was a kid with Michael Sonino and Danny Reynolds, we would sit in my mother's kitchen, and we would play from, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning until 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. We would just play Stratomatic Baseball, and we had these cards and – you know, and sometimes I would be the Braves and Sonino would be the Phillies or the White Sox. We'd pick our favorite teams and sometimes we would draft. And it, nothing infuriated me more than when, when I was on a losing streak and Sonino would say to me or he'd say at the Reynolds, let me manage your team and watch me win. Watch me win with your team. <laughs> and, and I'm 12 years old. I'm 13 years old. That line has stayed with me forever. Like, what would happen if Kyle called plays with that Dallas scheme? What would happen if Kyle or if Josh McDaniels called plays with Dallas? Like, there's a strategy involved. And we, we as good as, as much talent as you can collect, at some point, there's got to be someone with experience on the sideline to say, okay, we've lost Pollard. All right, this game changes dramatically now because he is our offense. Forget about all this bullshit about Zeke. I mean, Zeke was once a thoroughbred. He's now a Clydesdale. I mean, he's got that brace. He can't run outside. So when you lose Pollard, there's no outside run game. You can't get the edge. Yep. But, of course, naturally, my man's trying to run the edge with Zeke. You know, like you can't get the edge. Like, we're not, why should we even try it? So we got to do something different. You know, and, and, and there's no strategy. And so every time I watch these games, I'm thinking to myself, that Sonino line, let me manage your team. Like, let, what would happen? And, and I think for as talented as Dallas is, for them to not keep advancing is really a, 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 a kind of a, a, a knock on them. They're the ones who saddled McCarthy with him. I mean, McCarthy can't call plays. McCarthy still has his play sheet from Green Bay the way he had it set up in Green Bay. Meanwhile, the, the guy with the joystick on the sideline, he's got his own play sheet. But on that play sheet he has is never, how do I call plays to win this game? How do I set up the game to win the game? And then when someone gets hurt, 
you got to figure, you got to go on the sideline and figure out, like, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I have to do to win this game. Now, I thought in the fourth quarter they tried to kind of adjust with maybe using some of those CD Lamb quick passes to the out, almost as like an engineered run game because they couldn't get to the outside. So I thought they did some stuff to get CD Lamb the football, which that was always my knock, and that was a knock on the Cowboys after last year's wild card loss to the 49ers that Lamb had like one catch in the game, Pollard, I think had six touches or whatever. So they weren't getting their best players the football in that game. I thought they did a better job of getting Lamb the ball. But I, but I think we got to have the Dak conversation as well because Dak was just flat out bad. And afterwards, he said all the right things and he said, hey, the interceptions are unacceptable, 100% on me. And like, yeah, okay, it's nice that you said all the right things. But 23 of 37, 206, two picks, only one TD pass. And you're going up against a great defense, so it's not some cream puff uh, defense that you're going to see. But still, you needed much better from a guy that has the contract that Dak Prescott has. Like, do you think Dak Prescott is playing well enough for this team to ultimately win these types of games going forward. I think Dak is a perfect example, and the Giants should look at this. Dak is a perfect example of a really of a good player that when you give him so much of your cap, it hurts you in other areas. Like, yeah, you Dak, you can win with Dak, but you got to manage Dak and you got to have some good players around Dak. If Dak doesn't have Pollard, look what happened. Right? To me that that game was very clear. Pollard's their offense. Pollard has to get franchised. You know, Zeke's not going to be on the team next year. If he is, he's going to have to take a huge pay cut. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the key. And Dak should, Dak is taking all the money because the position and because of the star and because of the, the allure. But when you get the ball with 304 to go in the game and it's first and 10, you know, you put Joey Burrow in that spot, first and 10 at the Dallas 18, and you get him going, he's going to complete some passes, he's going to mm-hmm. find ways to make some plays. You know, you're not going. That you. That's the worst time to have a three and out. You need your. Th- you need your best calls at that point. You need your best calls at that point. When he punted at fourth and ten, I said to Millie, I, I, he, "They're not getting the ball back. They're not going to get the ball back." Because yeah, Kyle really. has enough stuff on his sheet that can control it. And then the ridiculous, going to put the put the punt team out there, and then and then punt it and they have 205 to go in the gate in the half and that they give them the chance to throw it and once that clock ticked below 207 they the 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 49ers could throw it you know and Kittle got 16 yards hell if he got nine yards the game's going to end there mm-hmm. you know so like like to me the strategy the the, the the linking things together we wrote about this for the daily coach today about alignment about how the F-105 was invented because it flew fast, you know, it, it had great range and it could carry heavy bombs, but the three things never worked together. Like, that's exactly the description of the Dallas Cowboys. They, they never worked their team together. They did when they had Cooper Rush, but they never do that with, with Dak. Do you think it's just that they think, I mean, obviously they think highly of Dak Prescott and believe that he can be of the blue chip caliber guys, otherwise they wouldn't have given him that money. But it almost feels like they're like, okay, well, we have Dak back now. Let's like spread open the offense and just do all these things. But yeah, that stuff looks nice on paper with your statistics. But like you said, it doesn't help you win games, especially against these good opponents, which is what's required in the playoffs. Like you're not going to get the layup of seeing an eight and nine team every single week in the playoffs. Like that's not going to be the case. You're going to have to beat someone of quality and the 49ers are of quality and just to have that performance, I think if Dak just plays okay, the Cowboys win that game. But he was just yeah, I mean, bad. 
Yeah, I mean, he makes mistakes. He can't, he can't, the game, there's no margin for error in these games. Great players play great in, at the greatest time. I mean, that's the fact. You got to play great. And, 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 and San Francisco's unique because they don't ask Purdy to play great. They just no. ask Purdy to make really easy throws. I mean, and I said this, I wrote this for Vison. like once he took over, you know, again, you can continue reading Playboy with Lance. And once he took over, <laughs> he fit exactly how he was going to do it. You know, you can continue reading that book. But like now with now going to the conference championship game, what are you going to do with Lance? You can't bring him back. I mean, you can bring him back, but he's going to be on the bench. I mean, you got to trade him at this point. I mean, I mean you, you got to see what you can get. Are you get. done that book? Are you still reading it or what? I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, reading that, all the, I mean, it's, I, it's we, gotta go through, own we should get all the, we should get all the playmates of the seventies, <laughs> the playmates of the year of the seventies and put them on a list and then let you grade them like a great Trey Lance. Well, I need more time with her. I need a little bit more time with that one. You know, like seriously, <laughs> we, 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 we got to get a sample size, you know, we got to, we got to see what's going on. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I think to me, there, there's design problems and there's production problems. Mm-hmm. And I think when you spend time sitting back in the offseason, you've got to understand your design and the production. For example, the Giants, they don't have a design problem. They have a production problem. Yeah, they They're have, not they good enough. Their talent, yeah, their talent isn't good enough, right? Including Daniel Jones. But they don't have a design. They did everything in their design. So to Gosh. me... I, I think Dallas has a design issue. I think Dan Quinn did a remarkable. I thought Kyle Shanahan's line that was remar- that he said. He said, "Look, I don't have an advantage here because Quinn's running something that he didn't run in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what he's doing." I, that, that says a lot about Dan Quinn right there. Yeah, he took the year off that he had after he got fired by the Falcons, and he adjusted. He reinvented himself, and that's why. I mean, that the defense from Dallas, and that's why I'm so frustrated. It's like they wasted such an amazing performance by that defense. I mean, how often did you hear Debo Samuel's name being called or Christian McCaffrey's name being called? You didn't hear those. I mean, McCaffrey scored the touchdown, but they bottled him up for much of that game. These are guys that you worry about going in. Now, Kittle and Ayuk made big plays. You're not going to be able to stop everybody because they have too many good players. But Debo and McCaffrey, those guys were pretty much bottled up. That defense was flying around. I mean, Parsons is unbelievable as a player and for the Cowboys to waste that performance but the defense did make one mistake though I thought in that game there and, and it was a, it ended up proving to be a pretty crucial one it was late in the third quarter when Purdy has the pass he throws it it goes through Barr's hands and then Trayvon Diggs right there if he just catches that ball it was tied 9-9 that takes the touchdown off the board if he can get that interception and I think of all the corners in the NFL Diggs is the last guy I would expect to drop that football yeah. because that's the one thing that he does. He has excellent ball skills being a former wide receiver. And, I mean, we saw him last year have 11 interceptions. The one thing he does is he always takes advantage of those opportunities, but he, he let one slip through his fingers and the Niners end up scoring the touchdown and they don't look back. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, look, uh, you know, that ball got tipped and, you know, and, and, and it just went right through his hands. I mean, it just went right through his hands, unfortunately. You know, the other big play was the, was the Kittle defensive holding call. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was killer, too, because it's third and eight there. They're going to stop him. They stop him. They sack him for yeah, six-yard loss. Yep. And, and they're going to kick that field goal there, right? And so now then it's going to be 12 to nine, you know, and so now you got a better chance to get in it. I mean, I know it was, but my, the problem I had with that call was – that Purdy was under pressure immediately. Like Purdy yeah. was getting sacked while that call, while that was happening. I thought I, I thought that was kind of like 
I, it was the right call. Mm-hmm. I, he clearly did, but it was down the field. And by the time he got down the field, I thought Purdy. I thought Purdy was under uh, was getting sacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it felt like it. It had no bearing on the play. Kittle could have been running wide open. Purdy wouldn't have found him because he was under pressure immediately on that one. Yeah, so, it, Pur- Purdy never even looked. I mean, there was no, no way that was going to. You know, to me that that call there was the turning. The the the, the two things that happened: the the, mm-hmm. the the dropped interception and then that call. Third and eight, you get that penalty, and now they got a first and ten, you know, and then you get the penalty on Hankins on defensive holding. I mean, like, seriously, like, I never even saw that. I mean, there was a couple calls during that drive there that you just like, well, wait a minute, where'd that come from? Yeah, it, it was too bad. But I don't even want to blame the refs because I think the Cowboys, they no. had plenty of opportunities to win that game. Listen, and I, you want I, the best players I, I to play I think you well. just blame the guy in the basement. That's all. I mean, he's sitting <laughs> in the basement. Playing, I mean, look, those here's games. the thing people don't understand. And I, I don't have, I don't dislike Kellen Moore as a human being. I just think, to me, experience matters. Like, I think in these situations, you need experience. You need to have experience. You need to experience moments to gain experience for the moment. And so you need this. And so when you don't have that, when you don't have that and you hire somebody who's very young, who doesn't have a lot of experience, then when you get in this situation and you lose your best player, how do you react? How do you react? I mean, like, you know that some of these guys who have coached a long time, well, I remember in this game, we lost this. Here's what we did. Mm-hmm. You know, I lost this guy. Here's what we did. Like that, that, that element is missing the strategic adjustment element in game based on personnel. I mean, you're always going to lose players. Like that call sheet he's got in front of him is a Pollard call sheet. Everything on that call sheet is to enhance Pollard. Now you lose Pollard. Where are we going? Well, I think you're going easy on Kellen Moore there about the experience because this is his fourth year as the play caller. I mean, this might just be who yeah, he but, is. Uh, no, I know that's who he is, but I'm just telling you that that the fact that if you're going to hire him as a head coach, it's like McDaniel going up to to Buffalo, you know, and then Cincinnati comes in, I don't even want to run the ball, and they run for 170. You go up there, you're supposed to be a run game guru, and you put the ball in Kyler Thompson's hands 45 times, and people actually think you're doing a good job. Like, there's a strategy involved on how to win the game. Mm-hmm. How are we going to play today to win today? And that could be completely different than what we have to do tomorrow. Like, San Francisco's strategy to beat Philly is going to be different than their strategy to beat Dallas. Final point on the Cowboys, because I do want to get to the Niners, the winning team in this game, as they advance to the NFC Championship game for the second straight year. What did you make of the last play of the game there from Dallas? I have no there? idea what the fuck they were doing. I have no Z, idea. Z I've never seen it before. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and everybody's going to focus on that stupid play, but yeah. that play is just, to me, obviously You're trying they to come worked, up with they practice. yeah. They practiced it, but look, to me, I think the biggest mistake, and I tweeted this out, when it was 3.04 to go and you got the ball at your own 18, and if I'm Mike McCarthy, like, I know we can't punt. You know why I, we, I know we can't punt? Because Wisniewski is the best inside 20 punter in the league. He's a weapon. He's a weapon. If I punt it, if I don't, if I don't get a first down and I punt from my 18, and they get the ball back. I'm going to start the drive with no timeouts from my own eight, from my, inside my ten or five. Yeah, I, I can't do that. Like again, that's second order thinking. You got to think ahead. So even though I, you know, I get killed for hating going for it on fourth down, which I don't. I think at third and ten at that point, you got to go for it because at that point in the game, or second and ten's got to be a better call or third because yeah. we can't punt it back because even if we get it back. We're going to have the ball inside our own 10 
with no time with no timeouts left. We're going to have to go 90 yards against this pass rush. I would rather take my chances. To me, instead of focusing on the last play, mm-hmm. I think if I'm Mike McCarthy, I'd go back to 304 to go in the game and look at that strategy, look at what we called, what were we thinking, what were we prepared for, why didn't we execute here? Yeah, that, that, that second to last drive was horrendous there. And it that, was, that's the game. That, yeah, that Everybody the game. in the media is going to focus on that stupid play yeah. at the end of the game, which was meaningless. Like, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. The, to me, the strategy of the moment was 3.04 to go in the game. We can't punt it back because was new, the, he's the greatest inside 20. It's like the, the, when the Patriots lost to the Giants in Indianapolis. You know, that, that punter should have been the MVP of the game. The Patriots' starting point was the best they ever had was their own 24. They played on the long field the whole day. So when you when you got the ball at 304, if I were and I said this out loud, we can't punt it back because we'll only get we'll get the ball back with no like you got to think ahead. So what? You have three timeouts. Who gives a fuck? I I can't go 90 yards with three timeouts against with no timeouts against this fucking rush. Yeah. It, it, it. Too often, it's reactionary and it's not proactive from the Dallas Cowboys coaching staff, at least on the offensive side of the ball. I thought Quinn, once again, was outstanding. But on the Niners' side, I mean, their defense was also phenomenal. I mean, they've been phenomenal for much of this season here. Fred Warner, I thought, was the best player on the field for both teams. I mean, what he did in the middle of that defense was unbelievable, whether it was in the run game or was in coverage. I mean, the guy was just – he made life difficult for Dak Prescott and that offense. But the Niners hold this Cowboys team to 12 points as a game where their offense didn't really have their best stuff, but the defense was why the Niners got to this point, and they showed why in the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they, they're so fast, they're so athletic, they yeah. run to it, they cover, they play zone, you know, and they, they don't, they, they're able to force you to hold the ball, and then they're going to get pressure on you. I mean, it's all their front, mm-hmm. right? And their offensive line was, wasn't playing well with the movement, handling the movement, and once they kind of got a handle on what runs they needed to do as they adjusted the game out, they found a way. And look, he got the ball to guys that can make yards after the catch. I mean, the Kittle, the Kittle play, you know, it was amazing on the Kittle play. I think it was Gallimore. You know, they never mentioned it on television, but did, it was Gallimore chasing Kittle down mm-hmm. the field. Did you, you remember yeah. that play? Yeah, it was a defensive I mean, line. Like, I mean, how do you not circle that and say, whoa, I mean, you could see John Madden. Look at this big fella. Like, he's running with Kittle down the field. It was remarkable. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, the amount of athletes for both defenses, it was just like, – I, I, some people were complaining about, oh, this isn't that good of a game because it wasn't high scoring. I enjoyed the wow. game. and no, I didn't enjoy the losing part of the game, but I enjoyed just from a football fan, taking my Cowboys fandom out of it as a football fan, the amount of team speed and physicality on both defenses was unbelievable. Like, that was what play, that's what playoff football is supposed to look like. It is. you know, and, and, and look, there was a point in the game where – you know, if you're a Philadelphia Eagle fan, you were rooting for Dallas to win because without Pollard, they weren't coming back to Philly and giving. They were going to have a hard time playing the next week because mm-hmm. every team that's played San Francisco the next week has lo- has lost. They've gotten beaten up. Yep. You know, and so you know, as Eagle fans, you're rooting for that. But with the Niners coming back and their ability to, you know, look, it'll be a hard, it'll be a fun game because both oh, defenses, yeah. both teams are built. There's pretty much the same way. Both teams want to win with their defensive front. Both teams secondary, you can throw the ball on. Both teams have 
I mean, San Francisco has great speed at linebacker. Philadelphia's improved their speed at linebacker. Both teams can run the football with their different styles. It's a contrast in styles. And it's going to come down to who's what what skill players play at the highest level. Is it going to be Kittle, Samuel, Ayuk, or is it going to be A.J. Brown? Is it going to be uh, Smith? I mean, you know, Miles Sanders. It's going to come down to that. The Niners have now won 12 straight games, including the playoffs, their longest win streak since 1984 as they go back to the NFC Championship game. I was there for that. That was there for that. We lost and we lost and we only lost one game that year. We lost to the Steelers at home 17 to 14. We tied the game up. Ray Wershing made a field goal. We tied the game up. Alan Kennedy from Washington State, our backup swing tackle, lined up illegally off the ball. They called the penalty. We went to kick it again, and we missed. And that's how we lost. That was our only loss of the year. Wow. I mean, I mean, obviously those teams back then were juggernauts. This 49ers team, I don't know if they're a juggernaut, but they're a damn good outfit as uh, they deserve to go to the NFC title game. And I think, and we'll get to the other games here coming up shortly, but I think we have the four best teams from this league, so which is the cool part about it. So we have the four best. Yeah. Nobody kind of fluked their way into the conference championship no. round there. Uh, Niners, There's Eagles. No frauds. There's war. no frauds left. Yeah. There's no frauds left. Yeah, no frauds. Well, we'll get to the David Ogilvy coming up later in the, in the last segment here to find out who the fraud was this week. But, Michael, let's take our first break on the other side. we got to talk about Burrow and the Bengals beating mm. the Bills. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, we also saw in the earlier game on Sunday, the Cincinnati Bengals, the big dogs of the AFC, if you ask them, they go into Western New York and beat the Buffalo Bills 27-10 to to advance to the AFC Championship game for the second consecutive season. This was a game that a lot of people kind of liked Buffalo in this spot, you know, six-point favorites. The betting market definitely favored them, but right from the get-go, you could see that the Bengals had different intentions here on this game. They went ahead and took it right to the Bills and never let up. You know, I thought they played really shitty against Miami, and I thought they would have an answer. And I took the Miami game as a launching point for them to improve, and Mm -hmm. I I was the idiot for for recommending Buffalo because this game was over from the first play of the game. Buffalo was never in this game. And credit the Bengals. They came out with full intentions. You know, yeah, the field made it slippery, but the field works for both teams, right? I mean, Buffalo's offensive line couldn't block Cincinnati – Allen was under pressure, yet Burrow wasn't under any pressure. 
So to me, this is a kind of a game that if you're Brendan Bean and you're, you're Sean McDermott, this is a come to Jesus moment for your team. Mm. Like you, you got to sit down and say, okay, we lost this game. We had a really good season, but here's why we'll never get to where we want to go if we don't fix this, this, and this. I mean, I have some ideas on what to fix, Doesn't but to me, I think for Buffalo Bills, this was the best thing that could have happened to you because you just you just basically got told that Joey Burrow is better than your quarterback, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes is better than your quarterback, and until we adjust this, we ain't getting to the conference championship game. You said you have some ideas on what they should fix. Uh, is it in the trenches, or where else are you looking here? Oh, I think there's no doubt. They're, they're, okay. they're, they're, far, they're far lacking in the defense. I mean, they, they can't get pressure. Yeah. They can't dominate the game. They're too small defensively. They want to be a nickel team, but they're too small. Mm-hmm. And even though Zach Taylor doesn't want to run the ball, they kick their ass up front. I mean, they kick their ass up front. And, you know, I mean, they, 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 they had 34 rushing attempts for 172 yards. Whew. I mean, oh you know, God. I mean, they just kicked their ass up front. Uh, they did anything they wanted to do. I mean, d- they couldn't tackle them. I mean, every time they ran the ball, whether it was Perrine, Mixon, I mean, th- they were carrying them for yards. I mean, they were carrying them for yards. And this is a Cincinnati team that typically hadn't run the ball very well. And this is with a bunch of backup offensive linemen. To me, they're too small on defense. The, the nickel scheme, they get torn apart. They need to, fix the, they need to look at San Francisco, Philly, and these teams that did Dallas that, that can dominate the defensive front, they, they can't. And then their offensive line, mm-hmm. for all the glory and the pro football focus grades and all this, their offensive line isn't very good. I mean, Scaffold's not very good. Deion Dawkins, to me, is an overrated left tackle. He gets called for holding at least once a game. Right, The right side of their line's not very good. It, Allen's escapability highlights comes to life. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the two areas from a personnel standpoint. From a scheme standpoint, like I know Ken Dorsey's going for interviews for head coaching job. Why? I don't know. Unless he's bringing Josh Allen with him, I have no idea why (laughs) he would go for an interview. Like I've seen nothing out of Buffalo's offense that was creative or told me they ever were in control of the game. I see them make big plays, Mm -hmm. but I never see them find ways to get Diggs the ball. If Jefferson can get the ball as many times as he can and people are taking him out of the game – why can't they get Diggs the ball, right? And their offensive line prop. So to me, when I watch them, I see a bunch of plays. I don't see a scheme. When I watch Cincinnati, I see a scheme. When I watch San Francisco, I see a scheme. When I watch Dallas, I see plays. When I watch you know, Philadelphia, I see a scheme. When I watch Buffalo, I see Josh Allen. You win the game for us. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Just do whatever you got to do. And I think that's why we saw the influx of turnovers from Josh to Josh Allen this year because there was nothing that, hey, Josh, here's a layup for you to go and hit to this guy or here's this. It's Josh Allen extending the play, avoiding a rush or stiff-arming some defensive tackle, then throwing some ball 45 yards across the field for a, for a first down. like that, that was always the explosive play for Buffalo. It was asking him to put on that Superman cape, and you can't do that against the best teams in the league. And, and I thought it was interesting, and I want to get your take on this because Tony Romo on the broadcast, which, I mean, he's, he's something else these days, but on I actually thought he brought up a decent point, though, about this Buffalo Bills team. And he, he brought up the point about how they're built to be an indoor team. But they play in they Western are. New York. And, and so in Western That's New York right. in January, in the most important games, you know the weather is going to be crappy. It's going to be snowy. It's going to be windy. It's going to not it's not going to be ideal conditions for a team that's built like the way that Buffalo was built. 
And they got to acknowledge that and, and get stronger and get more physical in the trenches. Otherwise, I feel like they're going to continue to be this seven on seven team that gets beat when a bully comes into their building. Well, I mean, look, they're, 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 he calls it indoor. They're, they're a nickel team. They want to be able to, under the pretense of, we're going to get the lead in the first half and we're going to rush the passer in the second half. They're not a man-to-man team. They're a cover seven team. They're, they're, they're a, a quarters cover team. Mm-hmm. They can't play man-to-man. They, if they do, they're going to get toasted, right? And so they rely on their safeties who they didn't have. They rely on yeah. their intelligence, but they're small. And so the, the analogy is the correct one. I mean, I wish Tony... Tony's got so much information that I wish he would stop trying to be friends with everybody and say what he thinks, he's, you know, because everybody's nice great. Like, yeah. he's really too nice. Like, ever since he got this contract, he's like, he doesn't want to make anybody mad at him. I mean, <laughs> when, he, when he said Leslie Frazier should be a head coach again, he didn't watch. I mean, like, I, I, Leslie Frazier's a wonderful guy, but <laughs> I'm not sure he should be a head coach again. I think he's probably in the right role. Like, he's a defensive coach, and his stint in Minnesota was not very good. But my point here is, is I think that he's right. Like, you got to build. I, and I think this cost Peyton Manning more than one Super Bowl. The Colts built the team that was built for indoors. Yep. Sfrini, Mathis. So when they went to New England on a shitty field, they couldn't rush. Okay. So I've often said this. The, the greatest job I would have wanted in my life was to be a GM of a dome team and build it like an outdoor team. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a size speed team in a dome. That's what because if you're a size speed team in a dome with that crowd noise, you're just going to kick everybody's ass. Yep. It's when the it's when the Vikings were really good when they played when they had Dolman, Millard, Noga. Oh my God, you couldn't. And in that dome, they were big, they were physical. You couldn't handle. Them. So, I see that as the same problem. And this philosophy that they have defensively is married to their offensive philosophy. But I don't even know what if I asked you describe their offensive philosophy to me in in five words. Can you do it? I'll, I'll describe it in three words. Josh, save us. <laughs> that's that's the, it. That's exactly right. You got it. That's it. Josh, go make a play. Yeah. And that's why us. Diggs is so pissed off. Because yeah. at the end of the day, for as much as Josh has improved his accuracy, and he has, and he's proven a lot of us wrong about that, there are times when his accuracy loses, he loses the strike zone. Mm-hmm. And so there's no consistency. And so they can't run the ball unless he's the runner. Unless they run six back, they can't run it. You know, it's really challenging. You know, we talked about it on Thursday's podcast when we were previewing this game, and we said that, all right, Cincinnati, they're dealing with that offensive line that's banged up. However, once Von Miller got hurt on Thanksgiving, Buffalo's pass rush has really dropped off the face of the earth. And the ESPN stat, and for whatever it's worth, they put this out there. They said Cincinnati had a pass block win rate of 56.5%, their fourth best rate of any game this season. And that's with three backups across their offensive right. line. That stat tells you right there that they couldn't take advantage of the Dolphins' own line. They couldn't take advantage of this Bengals' own line. And that's why they're going home. Yeah, I mean, look, if you just look at it from when they beat Miami, they gave up. When they beat Miami back in week 15, they gave up. Well, let's go back to the Jet game. You know, the Jet game, the Jets moved mm-hmm. the ball on them. The Jets had every chance in that game. In, in the, I mean, they beat the shit out of the Jets. That They got pressure on that game, right? Miami has a chance to beat them. They gave him 405 yards. Forget Chicago, your boy, the running back, he, Fields. He, you know, they couldn't do anything in the passing game. Then New England puts 341 on them. I mean, New England moves the ball. They just turned mm-hmm. it over. And then Miami, I mean, Miami could have moved the ball on them. And then yesterday they give up. I mean, so they're right. I mean, anytime they played against somebody, 
they've won with their offense. They haven't really won with their defense, and they don't have any physicality up front to, to get – I mean, the Bengals were in complete control of that game every single time. There was never a moment, even when the middle eight happened and you thought Buffalo was going to go down and score. I never think Buffalo – like, I think Buffalo just makes a play. Yeah. Somehow they make a play. I mean, think about it. They beat, they beat New England to get in. 35-23, but New England gives up two returns for touchdowns in that game. They scored 21 points with their offense in that game. It, it, really, it really was bad from, from Buffalo's offense, and when the weather gets colder, this is what kind of happens to these teams that are built to be indoor kind of teams that have to play outside. Uh, on the Cincinnati side of things, though, I mean, these guys were they came in and they were motivated. I know a lot of the talk this week was about the potential neutral site game in Atlanta if it was going to be Bills Chiefs in the AFC title game. Everybody was talking about, hey, it's already sold out and all the ticket allotment for Chiefs fans and for Bills fans, they've sorted all that stuff out. Let's just go play the games this weekend and then we'll go to Atlanta next Sunday to decide who wins the AFC. But the Bengals, they're like, hey guys, we're the defending AFC champions. <laughs> like, Have you guys forgotten about us? Here's what Zach Taylor had to say after the game about this whole uh, neutral site thing that was a brewing this past week. For the neutral site, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we just we had our mindset to go play in Kansas City, and and uh, it, 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 I, it is it is tough because they they have to formulate the plans for coin tosses, and they got to formulate the plans for neutral site games, and we just keep screwing it up for everybody, and I hate that for for people that have to endure all those logistical issues, and then uh, we just keep screwing it up. So I'm sorry. <laughs> the rise smile at the end there. I'm sorry, but these guys you know, were but I, they were mad. I think give them credit, too, because I thought they did a really good job of game plan. Like I said this all week on the show, that when you lose your lineman in game, mm-hmm. you got to adjust it and you don't have, you got to make it work. When you lose your lineman and you know you're not going to have them for the week, you got a chance to really kind of coach it and prepare it. So give them credit for that. And give Taylor credit. I mean, look, Burrow is unbelievable. He can escape, he moves, you know, and he makes plays. And Amaromo's defense is really good. You know, they were more physical. You know, they got pressure on Allen. You know, we talk about the field really helped Cincinnati. It did, but it did, you know, it helped Buff it didn't help Buffalo in their line. They were getting they were getting pressure the whole time. So, mm-hmm. I give Taylor credit. I mean, I I was impressed that he actually ran the football in the game. I thought he was going to go into one of those 50 pass games and not throw, but he did. And look, they they had everything they needed. They controlled the ball, they controlled the pace. I mean, you know, they come out of the game, they go six plays touchdown, ten plays touchdown. I mean, you know, I mean, they they had five possessions in the first half, and they almost scored on the last one with forty seconds. I mean, think about it. Yeah. I mean, they just dominated the game and give them credit. Now, going to Kansas City this week will be a challenge because Chris Jones and you know that's a better front to block with Frank Clark and and all those guys. That's a harder front to block than Buffalo. I can mm-hmm. tell you that. So you just can't automatically say since these lines better. You know that Buffalo. It just proves how bad Buffalo's defensive front is. I think it's a really important note to keep in mind this week at the late up because I think everyone's going to forget that that offensive line is banged up because we saw them play well against Buffalo. So people are going to kind of just cast it off to the side like, oh yeah, their line is banged up, but they can survive it. It's a different animal with Chris Jones on that and front. And Karras, Karras hurt his knee in the game, too. Yeah. I mean, they said Karras hurt his knee. I mean, like, I don't understand why we have sideline reporters at these games. Like, we learn nothing. Like, Twitter gives you more information on what's going on, who's out of the game. If you just follow that one app, like, they'll tell you who's in the game, who's not. I mean, I don't understand it. 
We'll get to that in another yeah, block. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like we'll the whole to, Mahomes thing. We'll, we'll definitely get to that when we talk Mahomes. Uh, after the game, Joe Burrow said that they, quote, better send those refunds about the tickets to the neutral yeah. site game. Burrow, though, in his whole aura and demeanor, like, he's given this franchise so much damn confidence. And you can see, it's like, they, they go into every game thinking that we don't give a damn if it's at Arrowhead, if it's at Buffalo. In the playoffs, like we're going to go in there and win the game. And this is what he's done dating back to college at LSU with that team when he had Jefferson and Chase and those guys and they won the national title. Like it's not quite Brady esque because I mean Brady's won seven Super Bowls and like that's a whole. Uh, no, oh, it's Brady esque. But but, but from it, a competitive it, it kinda, standpoint, yeah, it, is. it kind of feels like it. Like, I didn't want to compare him because you know Brady is the goat. But like it, it's kind of up there in terms of that sort of aura and confidence what he's given to a franchise who over the last twenty plus years had been the laughing stock. Yeah, I mean, look. He's remarkable. I mean, he's got a level of competitiveness that far exceeds most people. So that translates into his preparation. It translates into his the way his teammates kind of feed off of him, Mm -hmm. and and the personality that he brings to the team, holding players accountable and falling in line, knowing that he's raising his level. When your best player is your is your best worker, you you got a lot going for you here. So. Yeah, I mean, look, it just goes back. I mean, if you want to just add more fuel to the Urban Meyer mythology, <laughs> remember, Urban Meyer, you know, only took Z- Joe Burrow because he was Mr. Ohio. Yeah. Then never gave him a chance to compete. Made him, didn't even get him in a red jersey. He got the shit kicked out of him in a scrimmage, and he transfers to LSU because he was three-star and everybody else was five-star. I mean, you know, nobody will admit that, but I know that story for a fact. Like, I know that story. I know that story from somebody who witnessed that story. Like, he got a shit kicked out of him in a game that in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a scrimmage that his mother actually went and said, like, why is this happening to my son? And then he transferred. But he wasn't good enough to play for Urban at Ohio State. <laughs> but but Urban, Urban should get it. I mean, this is, this is the mythology that goes on. These guys are uh, a great coach. Okay. You had Joe Burrow and you ran him off, basically. <laughs> it's because he was three star. He was the three star. He wasn't five. <laughs> I mean, think about that. God rest his soul. But Joe Burrow couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins because Dwayne Haskins was five star from Ohio. You know, he was a. Think yeah. about that, fam. <laughs> they could have had. They could have had Burrow. They had Burrow, and they let him go to LSU, and we saw how that story ended in college. Uh, last point on Burrow here before we uh, get take another break. He now joins Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger as the only starting quarterbacks to win five playoff games within their first three seasons. Uh, that, that's just truly just awesome stuff there from Burrow. Also the fifth QB in the Super Bowl era to win each of his first three playoff road starts. And now he's going to go back to the scene of the crime next Sunday as they take on the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead, as I'm sure the Chiefs are looking for revenge after what happened in last year's AFC title game. We'll get that rematch between the two best teams in the AFC. But, Michael, let's take another break, and we'll get to Saturday's games on the other side. All right, let's get to Saturday's divisional games, and we'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-20 at Arrowhead Stadium. Coming off of the bye, the Chiefs were rolling early, but of course the big story with this game late in the first quarter, Patrick Mahomes suffering what they're calling a high ankle sprain, left the game for the entire second quarter, came back, played well in the second half, but clearly compromised. But uh, Michael, what did you make of what we saw Saturday afternoon, and kind of how do we spin this forward here for the Chiefs with Mahomes dealing with a high ankle sprain? Well, I mean, I thought he to start the game off, I thought he was sensational. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he was making throws and 
you know, doing everything that he that that Patrick Mahomes typically does. And then once again, you know, he gets hurt, and you knew it was a high ankle sprain instantly. You could just tell from the injury, and. I think the conversation on the sideline that you saw between Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Rick Burkhalter, the the trainer, was, you know, if we inject this, you can probably continue to play not at a high, not at your normal level, but it could affect you next week. See what happens on high ankle sprains is they they they're hard, they're they're really hard to inject because it really affects your lateral quick if lateral movement. You can go straight ahead. We played the Chiefs one year at New England with Jeremy Macklin. He was their leading receiver. He had a high ankle sprain in the game against Houston, the wild card round the week before, and he tried to play the next week. Well, you know, you inject it, and then he tries to keep playing, and it becomes a problem. And I think that was the conversation. Look, we need to keep you healthy for the next week. We need to keep you going. And, you know, I don't know how he's going to do it next week. I mean, I'm sure he's a tough guy. I'm sure he's going to do everything he can. But as Romo said yesterday, he's had him. I've seen players with them. Like this, this can't be taken lightly. Like I actually thought Tony Pollard's injury was less than what I saw Mahomes get. Although mm-hmm. Pollard ends up breaking his fibula, yeah, and and, and Mahomes did. Now you know they say the X when the X rays come back negative. Of course they come back negative because X rays can only see broken bones, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to see the ligaments and all that. And I, I just think it's going to be hard for him to plant and drive the ball and his movement. As we saw in this game, his movement is what makes him so great. And they had the MRI Sunday morning, and they said that the MRI confirmed that it's a high ankle sprain. I, I, it looked like it's a little bit more than that. Now, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not even going to try to play one, but it, it looked like it was a pretty bad injury from what he suffered there. They taped it up Saturday, and, and he was able to gut through it. But here's what he had to say to the media after the game about just how it affected him, especially in that second half. There was just a couple throws here and there where I tried to plant off that foot and it didn't let me kind of plant like I usually do. And so uh, a couple throws I didn't make, uh, I, I, t- I told Coach I want to still throw it downfield. And so we were able to make some throws there after the first few drives. And I think he got a little confidence that I could protect myself. Um, and so uh, credit to our defense, man, holding us in that game, uh, especially uh, after the start of that second half when I wasn't able to get stuff going. So they held us in that game, made some big plays at the end, um, and we were able to score enough points to win. It, they, they won the battle, but the, the ultimate war in the AFC, that's what we're talking about here, yeah. about how they're going to try to do that against it's Cincinnati, man. Yeah, it's a war of attrition. You know, I, I thought, to me, again, I thought, you know, Mike Caldwell, a young defense coordinator, when, when Mahomes got hurt, you know, to me, you go into that game and you say, I don't give a shit what happened. I'm not letting Kelsey beat me. That's going into the game. When mm-hmm. Mahomes gets, gets hurt, you got to say to yourself, there's no freaking way Kelsey, Kelsey can't get the ball now. I got to take Kelsey away. Make Smith Schuster beat me. Make Watson beat me. Make somebody else, but I'm going to nail down. I mean, the guy's got 17 targets, 14 catch. They're running zone blitzes and they're not covering them. You know, when you zone dog it, right? That's mm-hmm. great on paper, but that doesn't allow you to cover the tight end because you're treating him like a Y. You're not treating him like Travis Kelsey. Like, this is what drives me crazy. Like, you're going to go play Kansas City. You've got to take Kelsey out of the game. And if Chad Henney comes into the game, you got to play man-to-man. you got to force Chad Henney to make tight throws. Because Chad Henney will make throws against zone. Like, you got to adjust your game plan out. It's one of the reasons why Al Davis used to make every defensive coordinator that worked for him study the backup quarterback. Because if there's a sudden change, how do you change your game plan? How do you alter it? 
you know, you know Pacheco, even though Andy didn't want to call runs. I mean, Andy called 30 runs in the game. Think about that. <laughs> That's a lot for he him. He called yeah. 30 <laughs> runs for him. I mean, you know, and 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 you got to you got to say, okay, here's uh, this is when we're playing, Mahomes, and then when Mahomes comes back in the game, you got to change your game plan because you know it's not the same Mahomes. I just felt like there was no adjustments on the defensive side. Then offensively, I mean, I know. Look, I, I mean, I mean, Peterson did a great job. I just didn't understand what the game plan was. They averaged more yards passing a running than they did passing. I mean, ATN averaged six point two a carry. I mean, I don't know why they weren't constantly trying to run more or tie some play action. They never threw the ball down the field. They had the one throw to Kirk that he dropped, but there was a point in the game where their 24 attempts had 100 yards. Like, it, you're not going to beat them throwing checkdowns or throwing bubbles. Yeah, Everything was horizontal that they were doing there. It was just all the horizontal plays, which can work at times, but it definitely didn't test this Chiefs defense there. I thought they could have used Lawrence's legs a little bit more in that offense. And, and Lawrence, I kept saying it. it yeah. in, in the second half, he started to just like take off and run, and there was the one where he kind of ran over the defender, which I thought was just an awesome play. That's kind of a galvanizing play from a, from a quarterback there, but they need to use he's – a, he's a good athlete. Like, use his legs. Make them have to I, defend I thought so that. too. I thought to me I would have because they're going to play a lot of cover two man. So you know they're going to so they're not accounting for them. So if they want to do that, they got to spy them. So you you know you can kind of run people out of it. Like when you played the the Colts with Manning, you could play cover two because you knew he wasn't going to run. Now you had to play it well, and he made some incredible throws. That's a whole other issue. Same thing with Brady. You know, and they would take off occasionally, but like if you can't play. You can't play cover two man against Lamar Jackson because he's going to take off and you really can't spy him. It's hard. Mm-hmm. So you got to account for that. I, I, I thought the same thing, Femi. I thought they should have used him. I thought they – I mean, they were having success running the ball against him. You know, and, and, and they just, to me, once again, they, they had – that game was there for the winning. It really was. I thought mm-hmm. that game was going to be won. And you say, well, they got lucky to cover it at the end. I, I think Kansas City got lucky to win the game. I really do. Yeah, I, mean, I really do. They were outgained, at least from a, y- a yards per play standpoint. Jacksonville had 5-8, Kansas City had 5-4. Now, you can mix that in with Mahomes being compromised, but that was the situation that ended up having to be the case. You know? I mean, look at it. They fumble They fumble in the end zone, right? They, yep. they, 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 in the fourth quarter, they have a chance to win the game. And they go eight plays, they fumble. Uh, an unforced error on a fumble, right? That was an unforced error. That, just, nothing caused that fumble but Agnew, right? He just threw the and ball then up. The bad, then the interception, right? So mm-hmm. you know they get the they get the they get the uh, you know they they the, the the kicker Bucker makes a great tackle on the return. That's the other thing too, Femi. I want to go back to that play. I, we, we didn't mention it. You know when when Dallas returned that kick. Yeah. Why didn't that? Why didn't he take it towards the sideline? Why did he go? I mean, I think he scores on that. He had so much room to make it a foot race. I don't. I don't know what he was doing. I, that one bothered me. But anyway, the Buckers saving the tackle there. They had the ball early in the game. Remember they had the ball early in the game? I think they, they, they went 11 plays, and I think they, they had to end up punting. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they had a nice drive going, and they ended up having a punt from Kansas City's 39. That was the tripping game. They got 10 yards penalties, and that, that, that killed them there. That drive, that should have been three points. They had too many empty possessions. Two inter- and a fumble interception. And four punts. You're not beating Kansas City with that. No. And it was a game that was there for the taking 
uh, given the circumstances there with Mahomes being compromised. Uh, the, the win, though, did put Andy Reid in some pretty high class for in terms of head coaches. He's now become the third head coach to win 20 playoff games. Uh, Bill Belichick, of course, the leader with 31 playoff wins. Tom Landry has 20 as well, so Reed ties Tom Landry, the late, great Tom Landry. And also for me, too, I, I got to give some props to Kansas City's supporting cast because, you know, I've been vocal, vocally just skeptical of the Chiefs as a Super Bowl contender throughout the season and just the Chiefs as a whole. But I thought the supporting cast, they did what they had to do. In a situation where Mahomes couldn't be at his very best, they still won the game. I didn't think they could win a game like this with Mahomes being compromised or playing a B-plus game or something like that. And defensively, they made the plays they had to make. And also Pacheco on the ground, he was able to do some things, and guys stepped up. So I, I got to give the Chiefs – I was wrong about Kansas. I got to give that supporting cast a little bit of a, a, a head nod here. I mean, if Andy gets to the Super Bowl, but if he beats Cincinnati, be his, that'll be his greatest coaching job because he's yeah. going to have to really – uh, change I, and I mean, look, he's a great coach, and he's he moves the ball. What he did with Henny when he gets Henny to come in there, Hell you know, drive. most people would have handed the ball off in that situation. And Andy runs spacing, and he and Andy had a probably on his play sheet, he had plays that he knew Henny could run, and Mike Caldwell didn't really understand what Henny can do and what he couldn't do, you know. And so we're sitting here and we're talking about Henny, and you know, and when you look at his stats, he was five for seven for twenty three yards. <laughs> I mean, but the mythology that he played like this incredible game, like he's five for seven for 23 yards. Like they ran the ball, that drive, they yeah. ran it. I mean, he, he threw for 23 yards and he converted a couple third downs. But that that's the kind of the, what Andy was able to do. He made you think he was doing this, but he did that. I mean, it's, it's, it's really good. It's like, how does Andy get the ball to Kelsey 17 times and Dorsey can't get the ball to Diggs? Makes you wonder, huh? Right. I mean, you know, like, look, I mean, Kirk, I mean, if he catches that one ball, it might be a different game. I think I think Jacksonville, when they watch this tape, they're going to see they had so many chances mm -hmm. in this game to win that that Kansas City was really lucky to move ahead. No, I think they were they were definitely lucky, and it was that's what happens when you play a team that's inexperienced and not really used to being in this spot. I think that's like, an experienced team. I think takes advantage of what Kansas City's shortcomings were in that game, but Jacksonville just didn't have that experience. It was funny because I thought Henny it was it was a very nice drive. I thought it was a hell of a drive. Like I mean, it was a ninety-seven yard TD drive. He obviously was not the driving force, but I would not oh. have guessed that they would have scored a touchdown on that drive with him being backed up against his own two three yard line or so. So I wanted to give him a little bit of credit there. But oh no, he deserves. Yeah. I mean, he went 12 plays. They went 83 yards. He even had, overcame a 15-yard penalty. Had 15 yards of penalties on the drive. He got yeah. six first downs on that drive. You know, and they converted a bunch of third downs on that drive. So, you know, I mean, look, give him all the credit. But I think it was Andy understanding who he was and who he's not. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, you know, there's no way you could run Mahomes' offense. And it was Mike Caldwell not adjusting to what he was. Last I mean, zone dogging. <laughs> Why, we're zone dogging. What are we doing? It, it didn't make any sense. I mean, just just double the guy and make Valdez Scantling beat you or something like that. Like, yeah, like, live with him about making a play on the outside. Yeah. See if Henny could actually throw it to him accurately. Yeah, but they're just giving him layups to, to Kelsey, and Kelsey, one of the best tight ends of all time, he stepped up and made big plays as well when his team needed it. Uh, final point that I wanted to make on this game, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, because when I was listening to the broadcast, and I'm not sure if you had the volume on, if you were watching it with Millie. I did. Or I, maybe I had the volume okay. on on weekends because yeah. I got Millie. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you enjoyed yourself watching and listening to these games. But just the point that Collinsworth was making about Jacksonville 
and what they went through after the Urban Meyer firing. I, like, and it really stood out to me, like just listening. Like he was talking about how they were had to heal, and Doug Peterson told them that he wasn't sure if guys were going to come back for OTAs. Like it was that bad of an experience. I'm like, like it, it sounded like these guys had like PTSD from Urban Meyer being the head coach last season. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I was like, man, right? I'm like what is what's going on here? Like Urban, like, mean, clearly he was a disaster. But man, this might have been just the worst season in the history of the sport. I mean, when I heard Chris say that they, they, you know, Kelsey's so good, you could design an offense around his blocking and his – like, I almost lost my shit. Like, okay, like, where do you come up with this stuff? Like, and then he said, you know, they should – you know, Kirk should throw the ball. Or they should go down the middle. Like, no. Like, describe what you're saying. Like, what play do you want to run? Like, you know, like, you know, like, I, I, I don't understand. They don't – nobody knows coverages. Like, they should have a seminar – for all these guys to understand coverages. Like, they don't know coverages. Like, you would think the networks would bring in people to teach coverages. I know they think they played so they know coverages, but they don't. It's, it's so bad. Like, a zone dog isn't a blitz. You're playing, like, not everything's man-to-man. Not everything's zone. Yeah. It's, it's some interesting coverage that we get from uh... – from our broadcast so crews, but hey, the, the play-by-play guys are pretty good. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys, look, I, I mean, Tariko's awesome. I, I, I mean, <laughs> he's great. You know, I mean, you know, but I mean, to me, it's I love Nance. I love listening to him. I wish yeah. Tony would stop being so nice. Like, yeah, tell, he's, say it. He's a nice not everybody's guy. great. Yeah. Say it. He, he, you know, you don't. You know, the thing is, you don't need somebody to tell you what they're doing. Like, I, I don't need somebody to tell me what I'm watching on the tape. Like, I can make up my own mind. Like, and the, you know, if you need that then you got to endear yourself to your sources. If you don't need that, you can say whatever you think. Yeah, this guy's, he's a nice guy. Uh, let's end here with the Eagles and the Giants. I mean, this game was never close. From the first drive, it was over. Philadelphia was wins 38-7. to I, and, I was on, and, I, and I was I, on WIP, I said it was going to be 31-20. to 20, And then I thought a two-teaser, I'd take the – I thought the Giants would make it, like would keep it under 14. But this, to me – you know, was a complete understanding of how how much difference there is in talent level. Yeah. And don't kid yourself. Don't lie to yourself now. That's A. And B, it also was, yeah, Daniel Jones is a nice player. But when he has to play fast, he's not a good player. Mm-hmm. And so when the game speeds up, he can't speed up. He doesn't have another gear to get to. And the playoffs are about another gear. And so the Eagles dominated it. They, they, they took advantage of the right tackle. Neal was a rookie. They took advantage of, of their lack of linebacker speed. To me, this was, this was this score could have been 70. I mean, they could have done whatever they wanted. Yeah. And they, they, they just ran it. They didn't even have to throw it. It kind of was, I, I mean, they could have pulled Lane Johnson in the second quarter as opposed to the fourth because he, he, they didn't need him. They didn't need any of their guys that were hurt. Yeah, they probably should have, honestly, to get him a little bit of rest there because he, he's going to be in for a war this upcoming Sunday. But this is one of the few things that I got right this week from a betting standpoint. I laid the seven at open with Philadelphia, and I just sat back Saturday night and laughed. I, I was like, this. I, I thought people just were outthinking the room with the Giants' sentiment there with the seven and a half. And they, like, it's, the, we talked about this. The Giants were a bottom-tier roster yeah. this season and the Eagles since May we've been telling you the Eagles are the most loaded team from a personnel standpoint and you get these two teams Eagles coming off the bye at home at night home field advantage this was never going to be close like it to nah, me, I mean, it's it was Philly from, the, the, from be- the jump it, 
So it's the best thing that happened to Buffalo because they got to have a dose of reality. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing for New York because they can sit there and watch the tape and say, yeah, okay, we're, we're, we're this far away, and if we don't improve in these areas. Now, if Daniel Jones, I know his comments after the game, well, you know, it's a business. Daniel, look, if you want $40 million a year, God bless, I don't know who's going to give it to you because we sure as hell ain't. I mean, that's the conversation. Like, if you mm-hmm. want $40 million a year and you want it all guaranteed and you want – Kyler Murray's contract, because CAA represents you, God bless you. Go get it. God bless you. We'll figure out something else. But it, we, but if you take, it's like in The Sopranos when, 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 when uh, uh, Melfi says to Tony, you know, you don't have to eat all the macaroni. You don't have to eat it all. Like, you can leave some for somebody else. Like, that's the same conversation. You know, Daniel, you can't eat all the macaroni. Like, you, you, we got to save money to help build this team, because if you don't, we're not going to be, you can't carry us. I think that's a good way to put it there. But the Giants do. I do and, think they have a good foundation. And all you got to do is look at Dallas. All yeah. you got to do is look at Dallas. Yeah. And, and Jones, he's not even that good. If you paid him that kind of money, I mean, Jesus. That, that could really get off the rails. I do believe that with the, the, the GM, Joe Shane from Buffalo, and the head coach, Brian Dable, I think they have a good foundation to build on this. Like, they're a well-coached team, which is something that they can hang their hat on. But they just got to get the players. And, and for them right. to get this far – Kudos to that organization to do this in one year, but you saw the gap Saturday night. The they got to get the players, but they got to be honest. They have to be the Giants' problems over the last five years is they lie to themselves. So that's how they got in this mess. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, Dayball's coaching has made those lies look better, right? So you know all the shit that 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 uh, uh, what's his face Gettleman took about his drafts. You know, obviously they're better players, but you can't lie to yourself and think they're elite. Like, mm-hmm. you've got to grade good. You can't make everybody great. Yes, Daniel Jones is a good player. Yeah, he's a good player. Is he the fifth best player in the country? Probably not, but we can't pay him like that, you know? So we got to be smart about this. We can't overpay for great. See, overpay for good. Mm-hmm. You can never overpay for great. You can never overpay for a legit. Like, they couldn't overpay Joe Burrow. Yeah, they couldn't overpay Patrick Mahomes, but there's only about eight or nine players in the league that that are truly great. Everybody else is good. You could, and when you overpay good, that's when you get in trouble. Yeah, and I think I think you have some guys that are good that end up situationally becoming great because they're in a good situation. The circumstances, that's right, and and that's what tricks people, and and that's where you fall into that's the right. traps and, and paying all that money. Uh, but yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles they advance thirty-eight to seven, big win for Philly. Uh, I know they're getting ready to hang the banner out there, Michael. I'm sure the Eagles oh, fans are very happy. Oh, they're greased the polls. I mean, there you I go. Think get them greased up, man. I mean, I, they're ready to go. I mean, that, that this one won't be. This one won't even be close. This one, you know, I don't even know why they're – I mean, I'll tell you what. I'm a, Niners shouldn't Tosh show up. Shannon, don't even get on the plane. Don't even get on the plane. <laughs> well, let's talk about the game. We'll do give early thoughts and a preview on the two conference championship games, and we'll hand out some awards on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle. All right, it's time to hand out some hardware, Michael. Who's going on the lamb this week? Well, I mean, I think there's no doubt you got to put the bills on the lamb, and, and they got to take mm-hmm. it as a – a complete understanding about how they got to figure out how they close the gap. I mean, last year, they're 13 seconds away from getting to the conference championship. They screwed that up. This year, they're not even close. They better figure that out. I think Dak Prescott might need to go on the lamb as well after that performance, man. Like that's, Probably too. It's yeah, going to be a tough offseason yeah. for him. It's going to be a very tough offseason for Dak. Uh, the Fred Palermo, best game plan of the week. 
you got to give it to the Bengals. I mean, they went in there. They did exactly. They're the only road team to win. They, they were the only, you know, dog to come through for them. And mm-hmm. so you got to give it to them. They did a great job. They managed their offensive line. Their defense played great. And, you know, they, they, they were in complete control of that game. There's no doubt. If you don't know, now you know. The Giants were a good team. The Giants were not a good team. They were a well-coached team. I think that's the difference. And you can't mistake that. I mean, it's players, coaches, and scheme. And so you got to understand, yeah, the coaching made the players better, but man, we need a lot more talent. We've been saying that all year, even when they were seven and two and all that stuff and Giants fans were getting pissed off at me. They're in my mention saying, how are we not a good team? We're winning these games. You saw it Saturday night. Like it's a, like, there's a difference between being a well-coached team and being a good team. A good team has really good players. The Giants have a couple really good players and some guys that were put in good positions to succeed. David Ogilvy Award, the biggest frauds, Michael. Oh, I, I, th- I think the Bills' defense was fraudulent. I mean, the way they played, the defensive front, all these, you know, they've had first-round picks in there. I mean, I didn't hear Ed Oliver's name mentioned the whole goddamn day, did he, you? No, he was a I ghost. I never heard it. Yeah, the, the defense to me was fraudulent the whole time. I, I never got a sense of it. And, you know, to go in there on the road in a hard place to play, a hostile environment, and, you know, they didn't make themselves known, I think it's pretty clear. They never got control of that game. Never, ever got control of that game. Yeah, you really saw the absence of Von Miller the last six, seven weeks, I think, for that Bills defense because they got zero pressure on the opposing quarterbacks. All right, before we get out of here, let's give some early thoughts. Conference Championship Sunday, my favorite day on the sports calendar every single year, and we have two awesome Uh, games. Niners at the Eagles, Philly laying now two and a half, Cincy at Kansas City, Chiefs one-point favorites. What are your kind of early thoughts on these two games? Well, I, I think that'll flip. I think the Chief game will flip. I think it'll Cincinnati will end up being a slight favorite before the week's out mm-hmm. because of the Mahomes injury, not because of anything the Chiefs did. I think that's going to flip. But, you know, right now I see some places it's minus one. I've seen some minus one and a half. So I've seen some pickums. Yep. So I think that's going to fix. I, I think the Philly line will stay pretty consistent. It will never – if it gets to three, you'll see too much San Francisco money. Yeah. Two and a half, I think you'll see it. I think they're probably perfectly suited to get even money on both sides. The early betting on it so far, just so you know, I mean, the early betting, everybody's hammering Philadelphia. 95% of the cash is coming in on Philly, yet the line hasn't moved, which tells you something. And then the Cincinnati game, I think, is evenly bet, yet it is moving. So I think there's, I think it's pretty clear the 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 sharps, the people that, that do this for a living, are taking Cincy and I think people that casually bet are taking Philadelphia because they think Philly's going to win. Yeah, I think the Bengals closed as the favorite in this game, which sounds crazy to see that Patrick Mahomes is going to be an underdog in an AFC championship game at home. But just with but his it ain't status. Patrick Mahomes. It's, yeah. it's, it's Patrick Mahomes injured. It's, it, it, it's not Patrick Mahomes. And, yeah. you know, and you're going to have to take some – look, you know, we really never – I mean, we were all, did the show Saturday morning, and, 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 you know, we never – we had a guy on from Buffalo, and – and he talked about the weather not being a problem. When I turned the TV on at 4.30, I was like, holy <laughs> hell. Nobody told me it was going to snow like this. Like every good. time I handicap it, I, I, I got to do a better job on weather handicapping. I've had three bad losses on my handicapping based on weather. I thought the weather against Miami was going to be a disaster. When Tua went up there, it wasn't. I thought I didn't think the weather was going to be a factor. You know, Everybody's talking about the weather being bad in Kansas City. Kansas City's weather was fine. Yeah, it, the snow was coming down in western New York there. I, 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 I almost think that this Cincy line, 
it, I might be crazy, but I could see it closing Bengals two point favorites, maybe even two and a half point favorites if we don't see Mahomes practice at all this week. Do you think he practices this week? I think they're going to pretend he does. Yeah. I don't see how he does, Femi. He's got a high ankle sprain. I know he's I know his play is is not human, but his body is human. He's not an mm. alien. And so it, uh, he's got a high ankle. I mean, he he couldn't l- plan on it. I mean, he was hopping around. And you say, "Well, he finished the game." I think he got injected, which yeah. I think is a player's right to do, but that injection allowed him to play, not because I asked a a, a, a team doctor on Saturday and I went through these all scenarios with him. And and he said, yeah, I think you're right about everything you're saying. And I think, what do you what do you think about next week? He said, well, he can get out there, but I don't know how effective he's going to be. Yeah, I think mean, once we get more money into the market, I think that's going to be Cincinnati. You're going to be able to get the the Chiefs as an underdog, but I don't know if you want them as an underdog if Mahomes is 50, 55% out there on the field. But it's going to be a tough situation for Kansas City as they try to get back to the Super Bowl, or maybe we see the Bengals go ahead and go back as the two-time AFC defending champions. All right, that does it for this week on the podcast. Thank you to DraftKings and VEASAN. As always, thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, on the ones and twos. Thank you to you, Michael, for wearing black alongside with me for yep. our YouTube audience oh, as we, thank as we you mourn for the you. loss. We're gonna list yeah. I'm going to get all those playmates of the year from <laughs> 70 to 80 or to 80 to 90. I don't know. What year were you born? 90. <laughs> All right, we're going to go from 95 to 05. And then we'll go from 2000 to 210. That's time about the time we're looking at. All right, I'll, I'll handle that. <laughs> Make sure you get those for me. <laughs> we we got to see the sample size first. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll talk to you. You're going to keep reading that book. <laughs> we'll talk later.